are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Vinu.com launched back in 2014, uh, broke 4 million in revenue in 2017, broke 10 million in revenue in 2019. They're now doing about 12 million in revenue. But the nice thing is, you might go, why did they not grow faster over the past four years? Well, the thing is, they're very capital efficient. Only 4 million raised for 12 million AR. Very capital efficient founder here. Again, helping folks uh, understand and get firmographic data to feed into their CRA, CMSs, uh, their, their, their databases, their Snowflake instances, et cetera, growing nicely as they move upstream. Less Customers higher ARP. We will see what happens next. Hey, folks, my guest today is Pietari Suvanto. He's the co founder and CEO of Vainu. His mission is to generate revenue for his customers by collecting firmographic data and making it actionable by integrating it to the, his customers' business processes, such as their CRMs, market automation tools, and data warehouses. All right, Pietari, you ready to take us to the top? Yes, of course. Let's do it. So in the States, folks are really familiar with maybe PitchBooks or, or CB Insights or sort of some of these companies. Um, would you put yourself in that same category? Would you say you're different? Um, maybe a little bit of different. I think uh, I'll put ourselves in the Zoom Info Cognizant Claire bit uh, mostly in that category. I think that's more more closer, more to marketing and sales instead of, um, instead of uh, like venture capitals and financial people. Makes tons of sense. Now you came on, we were just joking about this, back in 2019. Actually, you came on in 2017 and 2019. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so regular guest. <laughs> regular guest. Well, we, we got to catch up. It's been three years. So yeah. help me understand today, how is the product different or is it pretty much still the exact same thing? Um, well, I think uh, 2019, we were a little bit more focused for the salespeople. And now we're more focused to the uh, revenue ops people. And uh, so how it differs in the product is really that we've built like good integrations, good connectors. Uh, so that we are very good at integrating our data uh, into into the platforms where the actual work really these days happen. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the other thing that has been is big difference. I think we served the Nordic audience uh, back in three years ago. We just launched a global product, uh, so now we have uh, now we can serve the customers all over the world, and we're very specialized, not specifically globally, not in contact data, uh, but the firm graphic data, and that's specifically data from company websites to understand and analyze that. And that's that's what we do globally these days. And why did you use firmographic data as sort of your beachhead, your first thing versus technographic data or some other data set about a company? Well, I think there's a, um, just to understand, uh, understood, understand content from company website and then uh, sort of categorize, segment the company. Uh, this, we felt there's a space that hasn't been filled yet. Uh, there's a lot of like contact providers. There's a lot of technographic providers. There's a lot, but uh, we're very good at segmenting the company, uh, giving sort of a confidence score on, on certain values. And, uh, and I think that's, that's our sweet spot on a global basis. Of course, in the Nordics, uh, we're like full suit when it comes to company data. Uh, so that's, that's where we can offer really anything. So that's, it, it's, it's a tiny piece of the whole world. So <laughs> now when you came on last time, I asked you, what's the average customer paying? And you said about 600 bucks, which a month, yeah. which was up from 400 bucks a month in 2017. I'm going to guess yeah. you've probably expanded that even more. What's the average customer paying per month today? 
is the average customer is around uh, annual. It's like ten thousand. Uh, so it's it's gone. It increased oh, okay. a bit. So it, not that much. But if we look at the spread, how much is the biggest customer paying versus the lowest? That has increased uh, significantly. So we have customers that pay several hundreds of thousands, and then we have customers that pay one or two thousand. Uh, so, so tell me that story. So your if your biggest customer what pays three hundred, four hundred grand a year? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if, if don't name the customer, obviously, yeah. but if someone's paying you $400,000 per year, what are they getting for that? Why is it, is it number of bits of information, number of seats? What allows you to upsell? It's really uh, the amount of the data and then uh, how we deliver that uh, data. And for, for, for these customers that pay hundreds of thousands per year, it's, it's really about a lot of data. And then it's delivered really to their Snowflake or AWS and, 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 and some core processes in those enterprises are run. With our data, so for example, if this is CRM, and they want want to uh, form a new company, or they want to send a bill, or whatever they want to do, that data comes from our database, and it's it's very crucial for them. So that's why they want want that it you know flows securely and surely, and that's why they're willing to pay for it. Can you give me an example of um, uh, the uh, a kind of piece of data you might deliver to someone's Snowflake database or AWS database or servers on a, on a, on a monthly basis? Who's paying some of the enterprise prices? Yeah, if, I mean, for uh, for some cases, it might be uh, official data, uh, very like the business ID related data, and for some, it's really about the segmentation models I was just talking about on a global basis that uh, that we deliver like continuously uh, for a few million companies that segment segmentation data uh, and in their snowflake and then they operate for example their marketing campaigns uh, to the marketing automation CRM systems the data and take actions from there uh, forward mm-hmm. so that's 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 really the, uh, the the more the data and the more the pay really the seeds Maybe, how don't do you matter. manage the amount of data like what is it quantified by is it b- b- bits transferred per month or how do you we we charge uh, today. We charge practically per account and then per data point. So I mean, if there's a let's say you want one million companies and then you want like five different data points, uh, then it has a certain certain price for it. And then we don't charge uh, per update. We charge sort of uh, per annually that we keep that updated on an annual basis. At l- so at least one update per year, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like uh, uh, what they really pay for us is that they they feel secure that the company data is updated. And never yeah, if yeah. it's hundred times or zero, that doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, I see. I see. That makes sense. Um, got it. And then again, official. I forget. Launched it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen. Uh, the the company is twenty fourteen. It was twenty fourteen. Okay. Yeah. And then um, fast forward to today. How many customers are you now working with? This is actually a funny story. I think uh, we had uh, 2,500 when when we talked last time. Now we have 1,200. <laughs> so what we've, we've actually, because we've shifted the strategy a bit, uh, we've get uh, rid of those customers that we felt is not good for our strategy and doubled down on those at work. And then, uh, yeah, and that, that's the situation now. So we have actually half of the amount we had last time. Not the typical story I would I would imagine in your in your podcast, but... But, uh, but I know, but it has been smart. a good decision. It, it takes <laughs> yeah. so much discipline to fire effectively fire customers. So yeah, exactly. for someone else listening, wanting to learn from you, they might go, "Man, I don't know how to tell customers to stop paying me. I don't want to piss them off and have them tweet about it." How do you <laughs> how do you like nicely tell people we don't want you as a customer anymore? Well, uh, well, uh, we don't pay attention to them. So I mean, if they <laughs> want to pay, for, then they, <laughs> then they do. 
Uh, but but of course that that customer segment that uh, that we don't want to keep typically the journey is very high. Uh, so it's, so the problem sort of takes care of them itself uh, on a natural basis, I would say. And then where, uh, you put your time and money to those that you want to keep, and then the, of course the churn and the retentions go significantly up. So it's so even with yeah. low, even with less customers. So has you been have you been able to grow revenue since twenty nineteen, or has it have you been flat? It's been more or less grown a little bit, but more or less flat. I mean, in in that sense. So, but uh, now I think that that thing is done, and next year we're expecting like good growth and good profit. So uh, next year is really a testament of our uh, transformation that it's been working. So I'm looking, looking very excited for it. That's awesome. Now, have you guys bootstrapped or raised capital? Uh, we have uh, like four million. We, we raised four million. So there's an VC owns maybe. Few percentages of us, so so but not significantly. That? that that was last year, I think. Yeah, last year it's been t- two different sets. So last year and the year before. Okay, so last year. Okay, got it. So for, sort of four yeah. million. You'd call those like, I mean, you're bigger because you, you bootstrapped to so much revenue before you raised any external yeah. capital, right? I mean, you had what like seven, eight, nine million in ARR before you took on external capital, right? Yeah, like 10 million, something like that. Yeah. 10 million. Yeah. And today, yeah. like if I take 1200 customers times 800 bucks a month, you're doing like 12, 13 million run rate, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 12, 13. That's pretty yeah. accurate. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is still great. So, I mean, anytime a founder to me, if you've raised less than what your total ARR is, I call you bootstrapped. I think it's very capital efficient, <laughs> right? It's very capital yeah. efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. Compared to like, look, I'm, I'm friends with James, right? At Cognizant, right? They've got 34 million in ARR, but they've raised, I think, like 50 or something, right? So he's yeah. backwards in that sense. Um, Zoom Info is a different story. Yeah, um, of course, yeah. Now, what I will say is when you watch how Henry approached the Chorus deal, right? When he bought Chorus for 450 million, he could have bought yeah. Gong. Like there's a lot of, he could have bought Sales Loft. There's a bunch of other tools. Mm-hmm. But because Chorus was more capital efficient, their valuation was like lower. He didn't have to negotiate with VCs. They were able to get that deal done for half a million bucks or half a billion dollars. Mm. Um, are you, have you had any conversations with Henry about exiting to Zoom Info? Um, no, not, 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 not really. I think, of course, the market is very active. The go-to-market uh, space is very active uh, these days. Uh, so, of course, discussions all, all over the place, but nothing like nothing concrete and not, not really with uh, yeah, Zoom in for today. Okay. <laughs> what, what would you look for, right? If you saw someone else and you sort of chatted with him or her, or another founder, like, hey, we should think about coming together. Like, what would you look for in someone like that, whether it's a merger or an acquisition? Yeah. Well, I would look at from from what are our, our advantages and then what would be a good fit. I think our advantage is definitely the, um, the firmographic data, and that's one thing. Uh, and then the other thing is um, like the connectors and the integrations to these. Uh, we put a lot of lot of effort that our company data integrates well with these most known uh, CRMs, and, and and the data flows well in, into these uh, data warehouses and such. So that's our strength, of course. Where we lack like things is yeah, contact data is one, IP-based data is one, uh, like uh, outreach tools. I don't. That's something uh, we're not that much into. But of course, if we look at the whole puzzle, I think IP and contact data are the ones that really uh, is being asked most by our customers. So maybe maybe somewhere around there. I don't know. <laughs> okay, interesting. Would you ever go? I mean, I assume you guys are very profitable, right? Would you ever mm. go buy a company in that space? Or would you prefer to build it from scratch? Well, um, it, it really depends. I think it's it's how how I think we need to look at it is that what is best for the company? Uh, and what's the best possible deal? Uh, is it that 
we would buy some somebody i don't know is it that we would join somebody i don't know would we go bootstrap along the way i don't know i think it just needs to be the best possible decision for the company and yet there's nothing like that now we're just focused on what we are what we're doing and what we want to do now and who is we how many folks on the team today uh so we have like uh, three 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 main owners uh, two founders that are, are still active uh, and the, the third one is a shareholder then we have around 130 140 people working and, and, and then uh, a very big chunk of those also own the company through share shares or uh, option program how big i mean there's a lot of bootstrappers or capital efficient founders that always go nathan how mm. big i don't want vcs so they're the board's not going to set the esop pool but i want to give a little bit of equity to founders how did you guys decide how big to set up your employee stock option pool well i mean i think we just came up with the number really uh and <laughs> and and something that felt right i think we we combined the amount of how we feel back then when we did the the option plan that uh, what felt right for the existing people that were there and then also we thought that there will be in the future there will be also good people so we need to secure some for them and then we added sort of those two and came up with the number so i think today maybe around 10 percent of the companies owned by uh outside founders and innovations yep. now you mentioned earlier at three co-founders two are still active ones ones not are you one obviously yeah. you're one of the two that are still active right yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of founding teams listening where there's like a third co-founder or even a second co-founder that's just not active anymore. It sounds like you guys sort of went through this. It can be hard sometimes. It can be even nasty sometimes. So when yeah. when that third co-founder for you guys told you, hey, guys, I don't want to be sort of actively involved in operations mm -hmm. anymore. How did you handle that? Well, I think we handle it uh, very well. Of course, those discusses are always very truthful. You need to discuss what do you really want? Uh, what, what are the ambitions? But I think all of us three, we are like, we think for the company's best interest in the end when those kind of decisions come. And I think we're all all, all very happy uh, where we are, where we are right now. And we, we we talk to each other and discuss with each other. And we're still friends and all that. So there's there's not not like that sort of, uh, you know, drama involved. It's just how That's life good. evolves sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. All right. So you three own a big chunk. Uh, the ESOP pool is about 10%. And then you said the 4 million from the seed, they own what, under 5%, a couple percentage points? Uh, yeah, some yeah, uh, ballpark that yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, got it. I mean, I guess look, if you raised four million and sold five percent, I mean, what would that valuation be? Something like uh, <laughs> what? But that's like a hundred million valuation. Well, I mean, you can do the math. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I won't comment on that, but you can do the math from there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the reason I'm asking is you've taken a non-traditional approach. I mean, would you ever go buy out the investors so you can go back to being fully bootstrapped? Of, I mean, never thought. I mean, never thought about it. I think right now, when it comes to all this, uh, you know, raising raising money, doing MFAs, all these things, it's really we're focused on what we're doing right now. So that's why I mean, I'm just shouting out thoughts, no, no yeah. thinking, no ideas. You know, <laughs> just yeah. focusing on focus. Well, if your investors are going, hey, markets are terrible. Our LPs won't give us any more money. We'd love to get our money back, and you say, fine, we'll pay you. 2x what you put in so 8 million on four let me know i'll give you 8 million out of our fund it's debt you pay it back over five years well it'll be a beautiful deal all right all right yeah yeah that's <laughs> that's good to know that's good to know that's good to know so yeah. we have at least one 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 chance. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's look, I, I've, I've long admired what you've built. When I was focused on GitLatka, my data engine was this audio data. Obviously, yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't scale, but I've done 3,500 episodes now. You've done a much better oh, job wow. building this. Um, so so <laughs> 143 folks, I guess last thing I'll talk about is productized SEO. I mean, you guys are killing it. 
because I mean, it, it works nicely with your business, but walk me through how you guys thought about your SEO strategy in terms of getting free traffic. Um, well, uh, that's actually a good question. So I think when we started out with a very sales focus, so how a salesperson could do a better job in their life. So that's, that's how we got at least very good traction in, 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 uh, Finland and we create a lot of content. Now we now with this new product with this new strategy we've sort of focused and we're speaking more about revenue ops and rev ops and how the importance of data and we we speak about what consists a good a quality of data and so it sort of shifted a bit so that's the, that's the space what we want to win I know in US the rev ops uh, is is already booming in Europe it's sort of coming a few steps back and I think that's the space we're gradually getting and and uh, it seems to work very well uh, and. And we get we get a lot of good traffic by just being sort of the opinion leader in, in that sense you could say uh, first when it was the active data-driven salesperson now it's with the RevOps and that's how we we get it so it's really about creating good quality content uh, not only blogs but but videos on demand stuff we go to the events and talk to people to RevOps people and all that kind of stuff so it mm-hmm. it works for us very well. Pitari, of the 145 people on the team, how many are a sales rep that that carries carries a quota? Um, uh, new business sales reps, it's I would say like 15 at the moment. Uh, so it's it's not too. We don't spend actually that much. I mean, compared to our competition, we don't spend that much on on sales and marketing uh, out of out of our revenue. So it's it's more of product development where we put a lot. Uh, and yeah, and then so how, how many engineers? Like uh, fifty, maybe something like that. So it's for uh, bootstrap, yeah. yeah for bootstrap, I, I, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's a lot when 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 you're when it's not like busy money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So fi- and you guys are based in Finland, you said. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So fifty engineers, one five sales reps that carry a quota. What are the other eighty employees doing? The, uh, there's a lot actually. Um, well, we have twenty to. 30 now uh, in CS working with the uh, with the customers then we have admin marketing you know that kind of stuff uh, the uh, the rest so yep. that's that's and then we have few uh, few just onboarded I count it to 140 a few onboarded a few new people that doesn't uh, I don't count yet to be uh, salespeople because they don't have a quota but soon they will fair enough fair enough <laughs> well hey listen this is a super exciting story uh, I'm thrilled to hear you are still doing well when we, last question before we wrap up when we last spoke I asked you about net dollar retention right to your point yeah, smaller customers yeah. who churned a bunch you said that you had 12% gross annual churn and 10% expansion for 98% net dollar retention Attention in 2019. What is that today? Uh, the net, yeah, the dollar net retention uh, is is uh, it's actually 100, a little bit over 100, and then the gross is on on, on 85 to 90. So they actually remained more or less the same, actually. And now when we speak yep. about it, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like 90. So if you churn 10% gross and you add 15% expansion, your net dollar yeah, retention it, gets up to that 105 number. But that's a big. I mean, look, going from under 100% to above 100%. That's a big move. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's cool. All right. <laughs> On that note, let's wrap up with a famous five. Number one, favorite book. Favorite book. Uh, the last one I read, it's Moby Dick. I think it's, it was very good. So Moby I, Dick. I, I love that. Good. Number two, <laughs> is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, Actually, let me see. Currently, actually, uh, no, I have a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of ones I follow. And let me see. Let me, let me, you one. It's one Finnish one. You don't know it, but yeah. G- give, me, give me, give me, give me a founder, a SaaS founder in Finland that you really like. 
who I really like. Well, um, I like actually, I know you interviewed him as well, but uh, the Supermetric CEO is, uh, I, I like him a lot. Uh, he's, he's cool Do you guy. also have a sauna on your rooftop? Um, in, in our in our office, actually, uh, we do have in the office buildings rooftop. There is a sauna, but it's not only for us. So <laughs> not quite not quite where where Supermetrics is, unfortunately. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, number three. What's your favorite online tool for building value? Uh, favorite tool for well, I need to say uh, it's from the sales side, but HubSpot. I like HubSpot on on the sales. That's definitely Num- one. number four. How many hours of sleep do you get every night? I sleep seven hours per night. And situation: married, single kids. Uh, I'm married, no kids. Married, no kids. And how old are you? I'm 39. 39. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Uh, to tell myself that things take time. I think that's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Guys, things take time. Vinu.com launched back in 2014. Uh, broke 4 million in revenue in 2017. Broke 10 million in revenue in 2019. They're now doing about 12 million in revenue. But the nice thing is, you might go, why did they not grow faster over the past four years? Well, the thing is, they're very capital efficient. Only 4 million raised for 12 million AR. Very capital efficient founder here. Again, helping folks uh, understand and get firmographic data to feed into their Sierra CMSs, uh, their, their, their databases, their Snowflake instances, et cetera. Growing nicely as they move upstream. Less customers, higher ARP. We will see what happens next. Uh, Pietari, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you. Thank you very much.